Blog Talk Radio. Live from Southern California and broadcasting worldwide on Wealth Radio. A tax lawyer prescribing a dose of truth for entrepreneurs. A voice of common sense for the small business owner. And don't get him started on saving taxes. This is the Mark Kohler Show. Mark Kohler Show. Kohler Show. Well, welcome everybody to today's show. My name is Mark Kohler with the amazing co-host Matt Sorensen. Welcome everybody. Excited to be with you. Yeah, it's going to be another awesome show. We've got an incredible topic on protecting your reputation online and in social media, how not to get sued, how to sue those people that are, you know, screwing you over with their comments. No, I'm just joking. But how can you really take a proactive stance? <laughs> <laughs> on, your, on your reputation. This is a big topic, Matt, right? I mean, this is... Yeah, really this is where, hard. you know, the web and social media is where a lot of people go for information now, and it's so easy to just dump information out there ourselves and for businesses to get tied up in that, cause lots of legal issues. I mean, um, you search around, there's no shortage of legal cases out there delving into these issues. So it's something we know a lot of our clients are facing and uh, wanted to talk about it and give you some information, hopefully make an improvement in your business. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, for all you new listeners out there and maybe on iTunes catching this podcast on recording, uh, we want to welcome you. This is a show all about building wealth, saving taxes, protecting your assets, and just getting those tax and legal topics dissected and broken down in an easy-to-understand, practical format. Um, so many people feel like they go to their lawyer or CPA and they speak another language. Well, we're trying to just speak English here and make it understandable for you. <laughs> so we've got, a, we've got a unique show here, and we hope that you enjoy it. And we are coming to you live every week with some topics for the tax and legal American dream. How do we make it happen? So every week we also have a newsletter. Matt, why don't you take us through our newsletter this week? Gosh, packed, was it not? I mean, just huge. Yeah, I mean, we are trying to overwhelm you with information. Um, but uh, <laughs> check out our newsletter. If you're not already subscribed to the newsletter, you can do so on all of our sites. Um, main one for the law firm would be KQS Lawyers, and that can connect you to all the other sites. That's kqslawyers.com. But this... Uh, um, Newsletter has a lot of good articles. There's a big case that came out on IRA LLCs for those of you who self-direct your IRA, and it just basically confirmed a prior tax court opinion. But it basically says no salaries for um, from your IRA LLC, which is something we've been preaching for years. Um, I also wrote an article last week, which is carried over in the newsletter, on when do I set up my company out of state? What if I'm, say, doing business in Arizona, where I live, but I'm starting to do a little bit of business in Nevada or California. When do I need to register in the other state? Got a good article there. And Mark, you've got some an article on scams um, to avoid in your business. Yeah, I had six common business scams to avoid, and these are ones that I talked about on a regular basis. I'll be honest. Uh, you, you know, a few years ago, it just used to be five common business scams. <laughs> now it's, I've added a sixth, and uh, the sixth is that um, that identity theft issue, which is a chapter in my new book, and yeah. how privacy is such an important consideration nowadays, not only in your personal life, but also in your business life, and which kind of bleeds into today's topic about reputation yeah. and, and making sure people don't take advantage of your company name. Um, also, I had an article in there, um, the 10 steps to purchasing your first rental property. Just some good old basic you know, bread and butter topics. Um, a lot of people um, are, this time of year, uh, if you're catching us live, we're here in the middle of June, and this is a great time to see the, you know, the end of the year is just, can you believe this? It's six months through the middle, yeah, <laughs> through the middle of the year. We have six months left. 2015 is gone. 
Jeez. I mean, I'm already starting to do year in, yeah, year in tax planning. Get your rental property purchased before the end of the year. And so uh, great little article there on some of the steps because it can be overwhelming buying that first rental property. So I want to give you some thoughts there. Yeah, and uh, we got a lot of events coming up. Uh, Mark and I are both out on the road speaking. Um, just check out the newsletter from Southern California to Honolulu, Hawaii, to New York, to Phoenix, to New Jersey. I mean, you can find one of us somewhere speaking, probably in your town, coming up over the next few months. So uh, check out the details on the newsletter for those upcoming events. And um, also, um, as we're getting into the topic today, I just wanted to let you guys know, if you want to call in during the show, you can also call in on the show. Um, we do still take questions as we have our guests on. We'll bring the guests on at the bottom of the hour. Um, but first, we want to start out with some tips today. So, um, Mark, do you want to bring on Brian for our... Yeah, we're we're lucky to have Brian Brown, a returning tipster here on the show. He's a CPA and partner in the accounting firm. K and E CPAs. Uh, he's been with the firm for close to 10 years now, just a huge asset for many of our clients around the country. He is also the voice of Thunderbird football uh, coming the fall season. I'd love to highlight that because, you know, anybody who can call play, play, play can handle a tax tip once in a while. Brian, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mark. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. And Man, I was just thinking about the fall when we were talking about buying your rental property, and I got that little, that little tinge of fall football almost. I mean, oh boy, it's just around the yeah, corner. Yeah, it, 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 it's not too, it's you know, it's not too far off. I, I guess technically we're still in spring, even though it is uh, June, and it's starting to feel like summer weather uh, here in southern Utah, anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're we're good, and and we're waiting for football to start. I'm waiting for. Uh, for the first uh, first weekend in September to come around, so we can uh, get a little football action going. Yeah, it's such a fun time of the year. I love the fall yeah. and summer. Gosh, I don't want to discount summer. Some of you are like, I'm just starting to enjoy summer, Mark. You know, shut up. Let's get you know, let's enjoy the the, the summer activities. Fourth of July yeah. is one of my favorite holidays. Yeah. So anyway, Brian, what do you got for us this week? A little tax tip of some sort? Well, I, I had I had one until. Uh, I opened up my uh, emails this morning and read an article by Matt Sorensen about no salaries from IRAs, so that kind of messed <laughs> that one up. <laughs> and that then was I really read it. Uh, yeah, it was. And then and then I and then I said then I read that and I said, okay, I've got, I've got another one I've come up with. I, again, I was just scanning down. You know, I had two or three different ideas in my mind and. So well, you know, I've had a few, you know, foreign registration issues. So I was going to maybe talk. Oh no, our Matt's got an article about that too. So thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah. You bet. You know, <laughs> so people want to know these things, and I'm one step ahead of, yeah. of all the rest of everyone else. So, so he's, I'm, he's so a trendsetter, Brian. Yeah. I, so I'm I'm going to infringe on the law firm. I'm sorry, I hate okay. to do this. But <laughs> no, you do it. Go for it. But but I didn't want to. It is a tax tip and a legal tip also. Uh, I have a have a friend who uh, who's been a client in the past, a dentist who uh, unexpectedly passed away last week. Oh, sorry. And uh, the issue is, what happens to his dental practice? He hmm. was young, younger than me, and did he have his estate in order? He's got a son in dental school. But his son's not ready to take over the practice. All these things have to be set up in your trust. Uh, you really, I can't, I cannot say enough about how people out there that don't have a trust get your lives in order and get your trust done. It's going to save so many headaches. I, I, you know, well, you guys can take it from there, but you know, not only legal headaches but tax headaches also. Well, yeah, the, the cost of selling a practice um, undervalued because it's an urgent fire sale, for lack of a better word, in a situation like that, um, can really undermine his surviving spouse and her plans for retirement. And yeah, uh, now hopefully there was life insurance in place, and that plays a major role. But the business succession plan, his poor son that's at school right now thinking, how am I going to 
hold this business together or can I until yeah. I get back? And uh, we call that business succession planning. So, so from a financial standpoint, what can, can be in place uh, to hold that type of business together? Professional practices are difficult. I mean, we could do a whole show on that. But uh, it's definitely something that maybe you're reminding the, our listeners to think about their own mortality um, and having a plan. So, so important. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, yeah, there's some tax issues there, but it's more of a legal issue. But, you know, when, when these things happen to people, you know, you know what, it just really brings it home. And, you know, just do what you need to do to protect yourself. And not so much yourself, but your, your loved ones. Well, great tip, Brian, and um, thank you for um, bringing uh, down our upbeat show. Uh, yeah, I know. Sorry Downer, about that. that folks, that's well, Brian I Brown. Say, if, uh, if it wouldn't, have, yeah, really, If it wouldn't have been for Matt, this wouldn't have had to come yeah. up. Could you just give like a really exciting upbeat tax tip, Brian? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, where's Lisa at? Okay, Lisa, I want to bring what? Lisa. Yes. Would you please not book? Do not book Brian on the show again. Um, Brian the Downer. <laughs> yeah, I will not. Yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> yeah, we know we we're trying to do something incredible here. That just flies. Okay. All right. Thanks, Lisa. All right. Well that's Lisa in the studio, uh taking direct order. Brian, thank you. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be a downer any time I can. But on the bright side, hey, once again football season's coming up soon. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Football season. <laughs> we always got football. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, folks, no, thank you, Brian. We appreciate you coming on the show. And it is. It's a tough topic. Uh, Brian, we'll catch you in a few weeks uh, if we feel like. Yeah, exactly. Promise I'll have a better one next time, unless, again, they're stolen by somebody yeah. else, you know. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> thanks, Brian. Well, this I think this is a great point, though, that we want to bring our tipsters on the show that are experiencing current issues in their practice. And when you have a loved one pass away in the last 10 days or a friend and you see their business uh, fall apart without a, a, some sort of succession plan, it can be uh, a big reminder. And so in our tax and legal field, we see that all the time. So, I, you know, I, I don't want to beat Brian up too bad. Tough topic to bring up, but uh, an important one. So without any right. further ado, Matt, we've got a legal tip too, right? Yeah, let's bring on attorney Kevin Kennedy from here in Phoenix, Arizona, on to give us a legal tip. Kevin, what's up, guys? You gonna you gonna give us a downer tip like Brian, or you got some <laughs> up for us? Well, if you remember, I was on the show two weeks ago, and I gave a a really long-winded, boring tip, and I I thought that had. Uh, I thought that was the ticket to get out of uh, giving these tips, but here I am. So, yeah, <laughs> nice try. Yeah, we're desperate. You were desperate. That's really what it's down to. So. No, not at all. I'm happy to. I'm happy to be here. I'll. I'll. Uh, I tried to pick something that's not as uh, not as boring as my last topic. So, um, so actually, I have had a few clients recently though who who were either reading online or you know they went to some seminar. Um, about estate planning and asset protection. And when they met with me, they had this notion that they needed their primary residence, their house, in in, in an LLC. Mm. And so you guys know this, but the tip here, um, you know, somewhat elementary but, but still fundamental, is you should have an LLC for your investment properties, but not your primary residence. Yeah, now where do you like to see the home owned? So, you know, I got my home. It's one of the most common assets, obviously, individuals have. Where's the best place to own that? Yeah, typically you'd find that it's going to make the most sense to have your primary residence um, owned by your revocable living trust, and you would do that for estate planning purposes. Yeah, and then the hard part comes the asset protection. I was just talking about this yesterday with a client, and how do they protect their biggest asset, million-dollar home, uh, and a trust. This is an important point because trust has been a, a little 
you know, has come up already once today, does not provide asset protection. It's there to help protect the home for the family so that it avoids probate and goes where it's supposed to go. But um, I, I like to, I'll just mention three or four important considerations. I think everybody out there across the country, you need to know what your homestead exemption is in your state. Um, is tenancy by the entirety a possibility, which is a concept that if you're married, the home is protected because the innocent spouse shouldn't uh, have the home lost due to their uh, husband or wife doing something stupid legally. So there's that um, tenancy by the entirety concept. There's equity stripping, uh, leaning your home with a, some sort of equity Ooh, equity stripping and, sounds sexy. Yeah, whenever you can work towards stripping <laughs> into a comment, it's, uh, <laughs> it's an important strategy. You never want to discount that. Just you know, trying and, to spice spice the show up today. Yeah, well, you're doing a great job. I want to point that out. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> whether it's the homestead exemption, tenancy by the entirety, equity stripping, or one of our favorites is the domestic asset protection trust. It's a new type of trust in about 12 states now where you can put your long-term assets like a home in there for asset protection. And um so there's a lot of options, and uh, uh, Kevin, I know you've worked with ADAPT as well. That's a, a great trust that a lot of people are unaware of. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up. You know, um, someone who is looking for asset protection for their primary residence, they can find it, and you just mentioned um, what their options are. Um, and so it's important to know that uh, you have a revocable living trust, but uh, that's uh, going to serve a different purposes. Uh, but but as you just mentioned, if if you are looking to provide asset protection, uh, the um, DAPT is something to look into, and we we set those up at our office. Um, so yeah, a client just because we're saying don't don't put your primary residence into an LLC, we're not saying your house is left out uh, without any asset protection. Yeah, now yeah. this is a. a I was just gonna maybe I get final thoughts here. I don't know. <laughs> put a bow on. Go for it. I think. Uh, this is really state specific, and that's why you know we hate people coming away from a seminar reading something online that's like put your home in an LLC. Well, that's not necessarily something we recommend for hardly anybody. But then, how do we protect that? And it really depends on your state. I was talking to a client in Florida, wanted to set up a a trust offshore somewhere for their for the uh, significant amount of equity in their home. Hey, you hit the jackpot. You're in Florida, unlimited homestead exemption. But that's not something that's going to apply to someone in California. And so, um, and then there's these tenancy entirety laws that Mark mentioned. Those are only in about 12 states. So um, it really depends on the state you're in. Um, so uh, we do some asset protection planning, obviously, in the firm and can help give you a more specific answer for your state because that's what people need. You need a specific answer that applies to your specific situation. Don't fall into the trap of taking some general advice that totally doesn't apply to you. Yeah, and I think, and I want to get a little uh, specific here too about this LLC concept. Someone listening may go, well, why not use an LLC? Um, I'm trying to protect my home, and LLCs are perfect for my business. Why aren't they a perfect fit for my home? And the IRS has started uh, to provide more guidance and allow the homestead, um, I should say, the sale of home exemption when you sell a home, even if it's in an LLC. But the problem with an LLC is they're treated very differently, again, from state to state when a lawsuit is coming from the outside of the LLC. So you think about it. An LLC protects you from your rental property or your business. But does the LLC protect the rental property or your home from you driving down the road and texting and driving? See, and, and, and a lot of people go, well, hold on. I thought the LLC protected my house. Oh, no, 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 no. The LLC protects you from the tenant in the house that might want to sue you. Now, there are a few states where the LLC actually protects the asset in the LLC from your personal action. Now, that's a deep concept. Some of you driving down the road right now, whoo, that was crazy. Hang on to the wheel. Drive <laughs> safe. But, but this, is, this is a big deal. There's a lot of uh, asset protection nuances, and I like how Matt said, from state to state. So an LLC could work, work wonderfully in maybe a Wyoming, but, you know, it's who wants to live in Wyoming? Uh, you know, I, I love Wyoming. You know, it's God's country up there, but yeah, it's hard to make a living up there. Yeah, oh, so beautiful. I love Jackson Hole, but 
you know, I, I I don't have a fifty billion dollar you know bank account to go buy a home in Jackson Hole, or I was going to live in a trailer. It's one of the two. So, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kevin, thanks for the uh, enlightening tip. Um, appreciate that common concept. Lots of people are facing. All right, you're welcome. No problem. Yeah, All right, well, you, you can always Kevin reach. Kennedy. You can always reach Kevin at Kevin at kkoslawyers.com. That is Kevin Kennedy. Um, he doesn't look like JFK, but he's still good looking, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, it. I like it. All right. Well, let's. You want to dive into this topic, Mark? Let's set it off, maybe. I, I do. I'd love to kind of uh, bring this around, in kind of our topic, and introduce our special guest. Maybe get things going. Um, there's a lot here. So, reputation, your reputation. Um, and there's different angles of this topic today that Matt and I really wanted to cover. Number one, what happens if someone is coming after your reputation online and affecting you on social media or Yelp or Google and their their statements and websites are just beating you up? Or what happens if your reputation is good but no one knows it and you want to get it out there and build upon that for a launch of your business or uh, a, some sort of marketing strategy? And and then finally here later in the show, Matt and I also want to talk about where are the boundaries? You know, what happens if someone does say something that is to the point of slander or defamation? What are your legal rights and how would you silence them? And vice versa, where are your boundaries on what you can or should not say? Uh, and there's a, there, there's a lot here. We hope to delve into this topic in a big way and provide a lot of guidance to you, our listeners. Uh, and as part of that effort, we've got a special guest joining us. His name is Chris Bennett. He is the CEO and founder of 97th Floor, a digital marketing agency headquartered in Lehigh, Utah. He works with clients like Adobe, Salesforce, Discover, Time Warner, Cable, Dell, ESPN, and even X Games, which is pretty cool. And he is passionate about all things digital and marketing. Uh, he was voted and just a couple years ago that one of the top 10 coolest entrepreneurs in Utah. But, you know, you're dealing with Utah, so it's not too hard to be cool there. Oh, that was hard. That was hard. No, burn. Okay, but anyway, burn. No, I want to bring out special guest, Chris Bennett, who is really cool. I do want to say that. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Sorry. I, I just insulted our guest right off the bat. That was a good move, right? I, hey, that jo- that, I'm, okay. I'm okay with that joke because I'm a Southern California native. I was born and raised here. So, <laughs> I had a, I had a leg up on the competition. There you go. I love there it. You go. Too funny. You. Well, you know, the one thing we have all been wanting to ask is, if you're based in um, Salt Lake City, Utah, I didn't know there was a building that had a 97th floor. Is there? Yeah, is that there is. really? No, I think the tallest building in Utah is like 32 or 37 floors. So, so we uh, and we're on the first floor of our building, our commercial building, and. Uh, in um, Utah, but I started it in my basement, so we've moved up a floor. Oh, there you go. Well, that, well. that's very self-edifying. Uh, I like that. <laughs> I'm fine with success. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like in the U.S., I think it's Chicago and New York are the only cities actually with uh, with 97 floors. Um, and New York mm-hmm. might not even anymore because of the, the Twin Towers. Wow. Very interesting. Well, yeah. we'll someday get the story behind how you named your company. But until then, just gosh, Chris, this is a, a huge topic. I know you help people with all the time with the reputation. Um, what are the, some, of, some of the issues you're seeing out there right now when it comes to protecting your reputation and how important it is? Yeah, so if people haven't figured it out already, I mean, the first thing you do when you meet someone, business acquaintance, or really anything nowadays is you Google them. Um, and people trust what Google has to say about those people, whether it's true or not. Um, so we've seen it for a while with businesses um, and also high, you know, net worth individuals or people that really care about their, their personal brand um, that what Google, what, what results are there and what they say about your brand or um, your name can really sway people's opinion towards you. One interesting thing happened recently with one of our clients, a very legitimate client with a legitimate product, been around a long time, had a couple of negative reviews from some con- consumers that um, ranked in the top 10 of Google. And they went to go get a small business loan from their bank who had lent to them in the past, and they got rejected 
and they went to another one and they got rejected and finally they found out the reason why was their reputation what they had found out that the bank is actually using Google searches as part of their criteria now in applications for small business loans. And um, about a month or two after we cleaned it up for them, we were doing regular marketing for them, and then they brought that uh, concern to us. So we cleaned it up for them, and they went, and they literally got a loan like within 72 hours. So that was pretty interesting to us that, you know, even banks are using it as lending, um, you know, applications. Interesting. This is Matt here. I'm, uh, I'm Mark's partner. Thanks for being on, Chris. Yeah. Um, let's maybe focus. I, I think this is such a big topic, and you know, I started looking into this, and you know, we think about it in our own business. I think about it for all our clients we're talking to. We get legal questions about it. I mean, there's there's so much to this topic, but I want to maybe try and break it up into into at least one piece here. Let's talk about dealing with I know we can talk about building your your reputation online positively but let's talk about maybe dealing with negative comments um you you mentioned an example there how it was affecting um someone even just getting a business obviously it's you know all these consumers who are um seeing these negative comments and deciding not to contact you um there's lawsuits all over the place on this i got lists of them here of interesting cases that have that have came up from negative comments being put online. Yeah. But uh, what do you see from a, you know, a strategy standpoint or what business owners should be doing with these um, negative comments that, that come up online, whether it's from Yelp or a, a Google review or wherever it may be coming from? The first thing you got to do is defuse the situation. Um, if you know it's like a disgruntled past partner or something where that def you know defusing that is going to be much more complicated, um, um, you know, that could, that, that could be easier said than done, but you want to take the conversation offline. You don't want to start replying to the comments or the reports there. You're just going to feed those sites with more content, and you're going to get them to rank higher. We've had clients come to us where huh. they just go back and forth with these people online, and you're just feeding the beast, and they make, mm. they make it much, much worse. So point. Taking, it off, yeah, taking it offline is the first thing you want to do. If it's like a consumer situation, Obviously, the right the the first thing you should do is be fixing that situation with your consumer. If you have a client or consumer that's not happy, you need to figure that out and figure out that they might have some good feedback for you. But again, figure that out through email or a phone call um, so that you're taking it offline. I like that. You know, I even I was just looking for a vacation rental for the fourth, and I'm looking at you know on Verbo, and you get these reviews, and someone's like, "Oh, it was dirty when we got there, and everything." And then the person's replying back, and I, I'm reading the whole yeah. thing, and meanwhile, the only thing I'm thinking, "Hell no, I'm not staying at this place." Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. it really affects consumer decision. The, the sad thing is, people automatically believe the negative, and the other sad thing is what you said in the beginning people automatically just go post online without ever even talking to you to try to fix the problem. Um, they just feel like they need to go be, you know, go blast it from the rooftops before they even ask for a resolution. And um, the sad thing is when people start to reply online and defend themselves, it just makes them look more guilty and it makes, it, makes the situation worse. Yeah. Well, what I've seen too that's challenging is that once someone makes that comment and you do take it offline, and we've all had it, you know, we, in our law firm and accounting firm, we can't serve the literally thousands of people we have over the last 10 years. Always gonna yep. It's always going to happen. It's always going to happen. And I feel bad about it when it happens. I'm a bleeding heart. My partners know it, too. I'm the first one to, like, well, let's give them our money back. We're going to figure this out, you know. And, yeah. And, and cause we, I, I hate it. I'm, I worry about people's um, feelings. But um, Matt doesn't, uh, frankly. But, but so <laughs> I'm concerned about that. And so uh, – so, but no, but here's the problem is, as soon as those people make those comments, um, I've even had someone make a review on my book on Amazon. Amazon's not going to let you remove it or Yelp no. or something like that. So you may nope. resolve the issue, but you still have this freaking negative comment out there that yeah. even the consumer's like, I wish I could remove it, but now I can't. And you're like, well, thanks. Totally. What do you, what do, yeah. you do with, with that type of stuff? Well, if you do fix the situation with the consumer, you ask them, can you please go reply back and say, hey, I reached out to so-and-so, we worked it out, everything's great. Um, you know, some, you want to get some sort of um, answer there if you can, but again, it's much more powerful if you get it from the person that it posted originally. Um, but yeah, that's a really hard thing. I mean, really with Yelp and some of the sites where your reviews also are based off, or your reviews also influence like your rank, 
and how well you're going to show up when people search for you, Google Maps and Yelp. Um, you really need to make sure that your customers that like you are also yelling from the rooftops and kind of drowning out those negative ones. It's, I can't remember the statistic, but it's like 10 times more likely for someone to post a negative review than a positive. I mean, think about how many products yeah. you love. I mean, you know, I love my, my new Nike shoes or Vans shoes. I don't, go, I don't go comment on that. You know, but if I have, if I have um, the, the wrong order at a restaurant, you know, I'm going to go blow up on Yelp or something. And so it's, it's, it's sad that the world works that way, but they do. And so you really got to try to be, whether you have negative or not, be really proactive on having your customers that love you speak out about it. Yeah. Well, let's, let's stay on this negative topic. I want to jump over the positive stuff here, but a couple quick like rapid fire questions maybe because you, you have got okay. this knowledge and I really appreciate it. Cool. Um, what are some of the places where, let's say you do work something out with the customer where you can't get them to remove, remove a negative comment? Like what are the sites where, uh, like, is that common? Is like Mark's example yeah. on Amazon? So Yelp, like Yelp, Yelp is Google known for and... being like impossible. Okay, um, interesting. And there's a whole other side topic on why that might be, um, why that is. Some people think it's it's because um, they're taking money on the back end. There's there's a lot of things. I don't have any, you know, any inside news to whether that's true or not. But Yelp is almost impossible. YouTube's really really hard too. Um, a lot of these places you can hide behind IP addresses. You can hide behind all this stuff, and it's really hard to track down the original person who said it. Um, but those places mm-hmm. are really hard. Rip off reports impossible. Um, that's a whole other conversation too. I. I um, yeah, Please don't ever, don't use a ripoff report or use it, you know, to research a company or not. They're they're not legitimate. Um, but um, those those places are all impossible. The bigger social sites, Twitter, you know, Facebook, things like that, they're a little bit easier. Um, it still can take a long time, but they're also easier to drown out. So even if you maybe can't get it removed, those places are easier to add noise and kind of drown out. Um, what the, about uh, the Google map? Reviews? What's that? Google reviews. Yeah, those are they're very hard. I'd put those up with with Yelp um, as well. Um, really, really hard to do. So it's really you got to be proactive in the beginning. Have a lot of positive reviews, kind of like a buffer, so to speak, of positive to kind of help circumvent yeah. that. Should, should it happen? You know what? I want I want to talk about that just for two seconds. Is that drowning out point that you make? I don't think we emphasize that enough, and I really haven't emphasized it enough with my clients. And I'm starting to get into that habit. And I take it serious when someone tells me more and more because as, a, as another fellow business owner, um, I had someone the other day, um, gosh, I can't remember what I bought or a service or something, and they said, please, Mark, go on to Yelp. And if you really – because I said, I was like, oh, my gosh, that was the best service or whatever it was. I was like, yeah. I'm really pleased. And they said, please go to Yelp and make a comment. It really means a lot. And in years past, I'd just be like, yeah, whatever. But now as a business yep. owner, I realize how valuable that really is. And I think if we can give the mutual respect to others that if you if someone asks you, hey, can you go give my my book a review on Amazon or can you go give a, a five-star on Yelp, I, I'd really appreciate it to return the favor once in a while because it really is important to, to round out those negative voices. Yeah, and, and that, I mean, people use people make their entire decisions based off of that. I mean, you were reading that VRBO um, you know, thread, and you made a decision mm-hmm. not to look, book that house based on mm-hmm. that, you know. So, yeah, that's a really good point. All right. Well, um, let me kind of touch on a couple of legal points, if you don't mind, Chris. Uh, yeah. And, uh, thanks for being on, and I want to get your insight on this. I, I don't know. Have you been involved in many legal issues? Do these get into legal cases? I assume sometimes had- they do, unfortunately. For sure. We have clients who have gotten into the legal side of it. You know, as a marketing firm, we don't take that part on. So we'll be, you know, we kind of will hear what's going on and where where things are at. We've always found you can fight things quicker and cheaper our way, um, you know, by by maybe taking it. You know, it really is true. If it's on the second page of Google, it doesn't exist. And so, you know, our, yeah. our whole goal is to get, you know, if there's something negative that's ranking number five in Google for our client's name, we're going to go in and we're going to optimize other sites to show up in front of that and push it to page two, and it almost always makes the problem go away. Um, yeah. So that's a lot easier and cheaper and more, um, you know, not going to take as long and, and more trackable, too, to do. But, yeah, we have, we have been involved with the legal side, too. 
Let me, let me just kind of point out for all of our listeners, I want to give a couple of highlights on some legal issues to keep in mind. So um, maybe you do have a review. There's a, a case that got reported pretty, pretty heavily. There's a Forbes article about it if you're interested. Um, a, a person made a comment on Yelp, gave a review of a construction company as a small business, and gave a very poor review. And the construction company went in and sued the person who gave the review for $750,000 um, in damages and alleged 300000 of those damages were directly related to their review that was negative. And it got in this big legal case. Now, let me tell you this. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of these cases out there. These these are very common, unfortunately, as we're getting into this you know, digital age and people are going online. As you're giving reviews, I just want to give people a couple of points as you're giving reviews and as you're a company seeing reviews. There's a bunch of legal terms out there, you know, slander, defamation, libel. Um, but here's what's really critical. The truth is basically what everything comes down to. If you give a review of a company and you embellish your story to make it sound worse than it really was, and so you were a little bit untruthful in your in your review, and sometimes I think we get that. You know, you might have an emotional situation or be angry, or and so you use words or you make it sound worse than it really was because you're like, I'm sticking it to these guys. Well, if that falls outside and it's not truthful, you're going to have a liability, and that company could sue you for that um, incorrect um, review that was not honest and truthful. And uh, so that's a really critical part. Um, it really boils down to what is the truth, and um, and if you. Like I say, if you embellish that or go too far, you're going to leave yourself open to liability. So, um, and for companies that get those negative reviews, you know, our business owners, um, if you have those reviews where people are doing that, you can have recourse in the courts to sue that, hopefully get an order to get those reviews maybe removed or to get, you know, whatever website taken down and, and get an order from a court to get that to happen. Plus, there are potential damages. There's a $1.6 million judgment. I'm not just reading through some of these cases. These are small businesses that get negative reviews where someone goes too far and basically, you know, takes the motion in the situation. So just want to give everybody kind of a, you know, quick little legal tip there in the middle of this because I think it helps understand, you know, the standards as reviews are being posted. Yeah, and I don't bigger... want to get oh, – no, go ahead, Chris, please. Oh, I was just going to say, the bigger this problem gets, the more – of those lawsuits are going to happen, and it's going to be easier to, you know, get get things removed. I think it will become easier for companies like Yelp and things like that to reply to demands like that as more people yeah. do it and, and it becomes a bigger issue. You know, and again, I don't want to be the touchy-feely, touchy uh, you know, one here spokesman on the show, but I do want to make the point that I think it, I really do believe in the principle that what goes around comes around. And um, I, in my life, have Sometimes I think we've all been there. If you've, you know, <laughs> lived an adult life in business and family, there's a, there's those times where you're stressed or frustrated or tired, and you unleash on, like you said, Chris. Maybe you're at a restaurant and had a bad experience, or you buy something and you're trying to return it and you're mad. I think we've all thrown a quote unquote temper tantrum at one point with a, with a business. But the older I get, the more I realize that if I'm vindictive and um, really embellish a situation to try to hurt someone. If you're turning around, turn around the next day and you're trying to build your business, I, I just believe in that karma that it's going to come back. And I think we all need to be a little more tolerant and patient and reach out to the, to the service provider before you just go and unleash on them online, reach out to them and say, Hey, I was really dissatisfied. Can you work with me? And I, I am, maybe I'm altruistic here, but I believe a lot of, Situations can get resolved before they get inflammatory. Yeah, just I just don't. I just encourage all of us to be a little more tolerant. Gosh, amen. All right, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Get, get up on the pulpit here, the preacher core today. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Now, all right. So, How now, that? okay. Now, one thing I want to throw this out, and Chris, I know you're an expert at your company in so many different ways, and to um. And one of the things you said to me as we were talking about preparing for the show that I thought was exciting is that not only do we have to do damage control with our reputation, 
but we can build up our reputation in advance of a launch or some sort yes. of project that we're envisioning. Can you give us some examples of that or maybe an experience where you were able to take someone that was really a nobody and just build them up to somebody to really help their business go to the next level? Absolutely. So there's kind of two aspects to this. There's being proactive to just kind of protect your brand and kind of secure those top 10 results by from sites that you're kind of in control of. And there's also being proactive in where it becomes an actual marketing benefit because there might be a lot of positive reviews or remarks about you that you're now marketing for you. So when people research, they're now maybe more apt to do business with you or buy your product or, or trust you. Um, so we have a lot of this happen when we have clients about to launch something big around their brand name or a product name. We want to go out and we want to secure their name across the board. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, I mean, you name it. There's a million social sites nowadays. Even if it's a social site you're not going to use actively to communicate with customers um, or, you know, or evangelize your product, you should still go get your name there. So one, no one else can. And two, those pages can even rank and show up and kind of clutter the search results um, in a positive way. So every social site you can think of, you can even Google, you know, list of every social site out there. Go grab your name everywhere. Um, you know, it'll take you 30 minutes. And then um, the ones where you are going to be active, you want to set those up and, and make good profiles and, and get them going. Um, those will help. And then also places where you know are related to your business, where people are going to go look for information about you. Maybe there's sites that reviews um, eBooks, or you know, maybe there's sites that talk about lawyers. Maybe a directory of of lawyers and things like that. You want to go get profiles there too, because those are going to rank, but they're also going to, um, you know, increase your image, uh, how it looks. Um, it's, you're going to look more reputable. You're going to have more sources talking about you, and that just automatically bleeds trust to people when they're researching you. Uh, what do you, in terms of the ranking factors, if someone's thinking, you know, what do I want to show up first if someone Googles my name? You know, it's just, you know, our, our names are so associated with our businesses, and what do I want to show up first if someone Googles my name? What do you typically see is, you know, uh, someone's name gets Googled. What are the first things that come up, and what should people be thinking about and just protecting their own personal name online. I mean, is, I, yeah. I don't know what comes up. Is it your Google Plus profile? I don't know what, what comes up Depends. first. I, I yeah. Google my name because I have a website, and I, I can see my site comes up first, which is oh. good. But And that's, that's really good. So people are really, really um, protective of their name. If their name is their brand, they want to have a website because you want that to be number one. And that means no matter what, the number one result is controlled by you. All the content that's said, everything, and Google is going to favor – you know, your website over some other stuff uh, the majority of the time. Now, with that said, Google has an actual algorithm ranking on how they, you know, choose what ranks first. That's why I have a business. Um, that's, you know, mm -hmm. that's what we're really good at, at using. One of the things they look at, they look at the text that's on the page, the context, you know, what is it talking about? Is it related? Um, they'll look at, uh, and they're really good at that. You could type in 97th floor, and the majority is going to be about um, our business. Not not for a mm. while until you get pretty deep are you going to like find out about the Hancock Observatory or the Shanghai building that have 97 floors on them. Google's really good mm. at figuring out, figuring out context. Um, the other thing is they look at authority of the site. How long, how trustworthy is the site? Um, a big social site like Twitter or Facebook is more trustworthy. They know that that site isn't doing anything malicious. Um, so it's going to rank better as well. Mm. And then the longer your site's been around, and if you have other references on the web pointing to your site, so other sites linking to your site, referencing you, that's also another thing that builds trust um, to your site. So having other pages and places um, reference you, when you're setting up all these profiles, like I talked about earlier on both social and then maybe like um, industry-specific directories and things like that, you can have all those point, point back to your website. Or if your main page is a Facebook page, you can have all those point back to your Facebook page as your profile, and that's all going to help the um, place that you're pointing back to rank higher as well. Well, and, and let me throw just kind of a practical suggestion too. Is you, and I, I'm sure um, I'm, I'm eating this up. I love what Chris you're talking about, and I've been trying to market and build my business with Matt here for 10 plus years, and so we've had some time under our belt to to find the time, frankly, to do some of that, that posting and, and populating. But 
for the average small business out there, especially for some of you listening that are new business owners, this kind of relates to our topic on last week's show, which I thought was really, really perceptive, um, where we were talking with Kelly Roach, and we talked about the timing. I don't want any of you listening today to be overwhelmed by this. I think you can start, um, just dedicate a weekend to logging on, building your posts, and, and building a presence. And and if you can afford to bring on an expert and a team like Chris's team at 97th Floor and have them help build a presence for you, um, do some SEO uh, and set up a budget for it, better yet. But I think all of you here don't just – I think sometimes when we have a topic like this and when I was a brand-new business owner, I would just turn off. It would be like, ugh, this is too much. So tackle uh, a few of the major sites. Have a nice picture of yourself. Have your bio. Have the links. Have the descriptions. And the beauty of these social media sites is they're all free. You can freaking go yep. in, create a username, create a place, and start just telling people who you are. And, um, I, I mean, I, what are those first steps that you would say, Chris, if you if you did have just kind of that brand-new business owner here without overwhelming them? Am I out in right field, or what are some of those basic steps that someone could take without um, breaking the bank? No, that's a great suggestion, and they're all free. Um, when you do fill out places like Google Maps and Facebook and the places that you're going to be active on, make sure you 100% fill out the profile. Do everything. Google will let you put, you know, like um, our Google Maps has photos of inside our office um, and things like that, and that makes you more real, more personable, more, you know, um, more there. You're, you're, again, you're feeding the information. You're providing more information to the person searching, whereas, if you don't, if you barely fill anything out, if it looks like it's just a placeholder and you're not there, they know that that's not a place they can go get information on you, so they're going to disregard it. So, the the sites that you want to be active on, be very active, um, and you don't need to be on every single social site. Figure out the ones that relate to your business, the ones that your competitors are using, and things like that, and just be active there. But like I said, regardless, at least go own your name at the other ones so that someone else can't go and do that. Nate, what are some uh, – love your tips, by the way, Chris. That was right on point to Mark's question. I was going to have a follow-up to it, but I'm like, God, I covered it all. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wanted to uh, ask a uh, different question, which cares a little bit. Um, I mean, what are what are people doing wrong right now? What are some people out there who, you know, a business owner, maybe it's it's a new business, an established business, whatever, but they, they have a strategy and it's just like they're off. They're, they're doing it wrong. What are some of the things people are doing wrong right now in trying to build their reputation online or in social media? There's, um, I'd say there's a couple of things. I'd say one of the, is one of the things I alluded to in the beginning. They're, um, they're much too active online when they're trying to put out fires. Um, a lot of people just they can't yeah. handle themselves. You know, they can't stop the keystroke, and uh, they can't <laughs> control themselves. If something negative happens, I think the first thing you should do is, like, go for a run or, like, yeah. go surf or to clear your head and then come back and figure out how you're going to deal with it. The last thing you should do is just react. Um, as far yeah. as just, you know, generally and on the proactive side, I'd say not filling out all of the profiles and, and um, you know, adding all the information that they can, not taking advantage of what these social sites have, have provided for them. Um, I see that a lot. Um, you'll, you'll have a business that otherwise looks pretty legitimate, and then you go to their, you know, their Facebook page or their LinkedIn page, and then they look very unprofessional. They don't even have a logo uploaded, um, description, you know, things like that. So um, you definitely want to take advantage of what, of what they've done there. Another really big one, just in terms of just best practices, and one of the first things we look at when we bring on a new client is a lot of people that are serious about their business have their blogs or their websites set up on like these blog spots or these free little, you know, cheapy um, website places. And that's not, uh -huh. that's not a sustainable thing. You can't rely on that 10 years down the road if that's a free thing for someone who wants to, you know, um, tweet about what or your blog about how to make a good sandwich. That's not something that you're going to want to talk about your product or promote people. So you want to set up a real domain name, use a product, you know, a program like WordPress or something like that where you're in hundred percent control of your business and what's being said. And, um, and, and you own, you know, you own that domain name, you own, you own that spot. You want to take control of your brand and of that. And, and, and there's a lot of ways to do it. And a lot of people just, I don't think, 
they look for the cheap, easy way out, and they, they give up a lot of control that way. Well, Chris, this has been phenomenal. You've you've provided so much excellent content, and um, I know that you are on a tight schedule today, and, and we were only able to get you for about 20 minutes. And I know we want to circle back for our listeners here. Don't um, tune out yet. We want to talk about this defamation and slander aspect a little bit more and ways to react legally if it's necessary, what to do. We want to give you some practical tips there. But, um, Chris, before we let you go, please tell people how they can learn more about your company and if they want help building more of a presence and doing a little SEO and taking a proactive role at any budget level. That's what I love you talked about is that, you know, you don't have to have a, a huge budget. Just start with something and uh, work work your way up. How do people get in touch with you? Yeah, I appreciate that. So the main way is our website, 97thfloor.com, and it's spelled out with the numbers, so 97thfloor.com. Um, we have um, contact info there they can reach us at. Um, if they want to contact me directly, LinkedIn or Twitter is a good place for that. Those are kind of where I hang out the most. Um, also, our main email for the company is up at 97thfloor.com. Um, and, um, yeah, those are, those are kind of the best places to get in touch with us and uh, so we can kind of evaluate your situation and figure out, you know, if we can help or not. Well, I love it. And, and folks, if, uh, on our... Um description of the show there in your iTunes feed. There's a, a hyperlink to 97thfloor.com and it's been an honor to have the CEO of one of the fastest growing internet um, marketing companies out there. Um, Chris, thank you so much. Mr. Chris Bennett for joining us here on the show. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. I really I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> yeah, we'll um, talk to you later. Well, Matt, here's what I'd like to spend our last... Um, eight to ten minutes on here, and I think this is really important because we alluded to it, and we get these types of emails and calls all the time, and that's when someone is defaming you and they're slandering you. I just had a meeting with a client last night that's in quite an embroiled lawsuit um, where someone decided to attack him, and they really didn't have their facts, and they embellished, and it's really backfiring on uh, on these folks that wanted to create noise. Um, Matt, what would you tell... Uh, someone, the first steps are when you have someone that says something that is not the truth. Like you said earlier, if it's the truth, there's not much you can do about it. But if someone is embellishing or defaming your name and you know that it's causing damage in your business, what are, what are some of the first things you need to do? Well, I, I, do, I want to take a couple of legal steps. The first thing I want to know is is this really harming you or not? I think sometimes we take things a little too personal business-wise. A lot of business owners, we take pride in what we do. And the first thing is, we, it, it, you know, this thing just ticks us off, this comment they made or review or whatever it may be, it, it, it just eats at you. And what we really want to know is, is this really financially hurting your business? And that's an important practical step, but it also gets to your legal case. Practically speaking, if it's not financially hurting you, that it really just boils down to hurt feelings, then just let it go. Let it slide. Deal with the customer issue, but maybe move on. You don't need to call me as the lawyer. You know, and I've had that with clients. I actually had a client. Um, it was a uh, – God, they were getting – hammered by someone in like a, a group chat type thing, a forum type place of, of other uh, industry people, and um, they were just getting hammered by one person. And, and we really boiled down to say, you know what, it's just not going to be worth your time or money to invest in this because it's not hurting you that much. But um, if it is hurting Matt, you... Yeah, and Matt, but right before you say, if it is hurting you, what you do next, let me just point out to record-keeping. It is so important, and in some of these cases Matt's highlighted earlier, they were able to claim $750,000 in a lawsuit and 300000 of actual damages because they kept records of, oh, this customer was on the bubble, and as soon as they saw that review, they didn't purchase the service or something like this. And so if you, when something bad happens, immediately you want to talk to your salesperson or, or sales team, or maybe it's just you, keep little notes of who was on the bubble and immediately decided not to work with me. Contact them and ask them, why did you make that decision? Keep good records, get emails, gather information of 
people that would have used you but then decided not to because of this situation. Because frankly, you're going to need their testimony later. You can't just say, oh, I lost all this business. Well, what do you mean you lost all this business? Show me the money. You've got to show me the history. Yeah. And I think, you know, Chris gave a really good practical tip of take it offline. Do not try and fight out that battle online or whatever, you know, digital format it is. So um, you just, that's a never ending. I think you're going to always lose that battle. I've never seen a review where someone responds to it and they're like, oh, you're right. I was wrong the first comment I gave. You know, people are going to dig their heels in. So you're wasting your time. Maybe like write it in Word and just like pretend like you submitted if it makes you feel better. Um, but the, let's say you do, you're financially getting harmed. This person did post something that was untruthful and, it's, and it really is financially affecting your business um, or just your reputation. I mean, sometimes, you know, you can get an order that's not financial in nature. I mean, some of these cases you'll see, this is like boyfriend, girlfriend garbage type stuff, you know, where these, these got cases going on about, you know, someone saying that they're, they're, former girlfriend had an STD when she really didn't and all this stuff, you know. So you get into those crazy cases. But um, but on the business side of things, you know, it's usually going to revolve around damages. You're not going to want to invest your time and effort unless you're really financially being harmed. And I think the first thing to do is just send a, you know, have an attorney look at it, see if you have a legal case, and have the nasty letter go off first. That's usually the first order of business when you got a dispute. Get the lawyer involved to at least write a nasty letter to the person and try and get it resolved. Let them know you're represented and that you're serious about taking care of this. And give that person an opportunity to, um, you know, look at it. And if you do have a strong case, hopefully they go to their lawyer too and they're like, oh, crap, you do have a case. You've got to deal with this. And they, hopefully they get some good advice from their lawyer. So, um, and you don't, you know, you don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars or thousands of dollars for a, a nasty letter. You know, maybe it's in a few hundred dollars to get an attorney involved to, to do that. But I just think you start with the, the letter first. Yeah, and I think it's important. I like what Chris said, too. He, he read it, said a really insightful point that we maybe glossed over, too, is he said, always cheaper to try to resolve the situation than it is to just start fighting. And when you have that lawyer yeah, write sure. the nasty letter, yeah, you could have – there's different types of lawyers out there. There's going to be that flash-in-the-pan lawyer that you walk in the door, and they're just psyched. They're like, oh, sweet. Yeah, you need to go after them, and you write me a retainer of five grand right now, and we're going to write a cease and desist, and I'm going to file a lawsuit by next Monday. And da, 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 da. Okay, that's not the type of lawyer we're talking about here. You want a lawyer initially that can send a cease and desist letter, um, kind of shoot a, a shot over their bow and go, hey, we need to get together and talk about this. I believe I've been harmed. I need you to make this good with me. I'd like to get this resolved. I need you to remove what you did, retract what you did, make a comment, or else this could get litigious. You don't want to just come out swinging. And that's when you're going to start dropping a lot more money in legal fees than it's ever worth the damage potential. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good caveat. And obviously the, you know, the last resort, the nuclear option of the lawsuit is is what you do if the, you know, the reasonable attempts of resolving it aren't taking place, they're not paying attention to a letter from the lawyer, and or maybe, you know, their lawyer's writing letters back, you know. So, um, but then, you know, you may need to take it to court and get a court to decide it. And if you do have a strong case, you could get damages. And at, at a minimum, you get the comment or review removed and try and protect your name going forward. And, you know, particularly, this is obviously, you're not going to drop the money on a lawsuit unless it's really affecting your business. And, um, and and you'll know if it is. I think you're going to know if it is. It's going to result in your bottom line numbers. And uh, but that's when you hire the lawyers. Only when you have to. Yep. Keep good records, folks. To uh, quote the infamous Jerry Maguire, "Help me, help you, help me, help you." So if you're getting upset and someone's hurting your feelings, start taking notes because this I'm going to need a lot be. more. This would not be a good a good show if it did not have a Mark Kohler movie quote in it. <laughs> yeah, we got to work it in. I was going to quote Flash, but it. I'll stick with Jerry Maguire today. Well, yeah. I, you know, I am so grateful for another great show. I'm excited for Father's Day this weekend. Tears for Fears is playing at the Verizon Amphitheater here locally. So I hope you're going to be jealous because I'm going to try to rock some Tears for Fears this weekend. Shout out Bye to all jealous. my 80s listeners. Woo! Got to love that. So uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, folks. Great show today. And uh, I, I just uh, really thought this topic helped me even um, calm things down. Yeah, well, thanks for everybody being here. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time, same channel. 
And keep leaving the American dream. Check out our newsletter if you're not registered. That's the best way to get updates on the show and to see where Mark and I are speaking. Easiest way to find that is at kkoslawyers.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there. We'll see you next time.